You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. We're about to hear a scripture verse from the Gospel of John chapter 16 in which Jesus says, in a little while, this is what's going to happen. We're thinking about time this morning. We're thinking about the past. We're imagining the future and wondering where our moment now fits into that mix. Let's hear these words from chapter 16. A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. A little while, and you will no longer see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying to us, A little while, and you will no longer see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, they said, What does he mean by this, A little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Are you discussing amongst yourself what I meant when I said, A little while, and you will no longer see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain, but because her, hours, because her hour has come, But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. On that day, you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, help us to focus our minds now on you and on your Word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Time is strange. I recently got to go to a botanical garden with my husband, Joel, and my one-year-old daughter, Maxine. The garden had a small fountain. and It was tiny, really. It's one of those made of a concrete rectangle with little uh, spurts of water, and it's about knee-high. It's nothing too glamorous. But Maxine loved it. She loved that she got to splash in the water because it was just about her height. She loved that the water moved and she could watch that. She loved that she could walk around and look at the water from every angle. And it didn't feel like we'd spent very long looking at this fountain, but suddenly we looked at our watches and realized we'd been there for 15, 20 minutes just looking at this fountain with Maxine. It felt like almost no time had passed, and yet more than a quarter of an hour had gone by, and we really had been on our way to somewhere else in the garden when we stumbled across this fountain. 
Have you had moments like these? Moments where time just seems to slip by in an instant and you look up and you think, where's the day gone? How did this happen? Holidays with family sometimes feel like that to me. You look up and you go, didn't we just say hello and now we're hugging goodbye? How does time seem to pass so quickly on these good days? How does time seem to speed by in the blink of an eye? I've also experienced, though, time slowing down, and sometimes this happens on good days as well, where the day just seems to last forever in the best way possible. Have you experienced that? The length of an hour doesn't change between the two days, the day where it felt fast, the day where the, the hours seemed to last forever, but we definitely experience those days differently. The author Graham Swift put it this way, how quick and rushing life can sometimes seem when at the same time it's so slow and sweet and everlasting. Jesus speaks about time too. John chapter 16 is part of what we sometimes call Jesus' farewell discourse. It's a long monologue that Jesus gives to his disciples right before his arrest found only in the Gospel of John. Jesus says to his disciples, a little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while, you will see me. Some translations say it this way, soon you won't be able to see me and soon you will be able to see me again. Well, it's a little bit cryptic, thanks, Jesus. And of course the disciples have questions and the first thing they say to one another is, what in the heck is this guy talking about? Soon you'll see me, soon you won't, what does he mean? This phrase gets repeated three full times in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is nothing if not repetitive when it wants to make a point. So first Jesus says it, and then his disciples repeat the sentence. What does he mean? In a little while you won't see me, and then in a little while you will. And then Jesus says it again. Anytime something like that is repeated in Scripture, we're intended to take something away from it. The question always, of course, is what do we take away at any given moment? So if I was one of the disciples, I would be wondering as well, what is going on, Jesus? What are you trying to tell us? Now, of course, as modern readers, we have this book, and we can flip ahead a couple pages in the story, and we know that Jesus is about to be killed on the cross, and he'll be dead for three days, and then he'll be raised from the dead, resurrected. The imminence of the cross may be why he makes this statement. In a little while, you won't see me because I'm going to die, he says. He'll no longer physically be able to walk alongside his friends. We as modern readers know that along with death comes the promise of resurrection. And so they'll see him again. He'll be there once more eating and laughing and talking alongside his disciples. But maybe Jesus isn't referring only to these upcoming events. As we look at the rest of scripture, there's a larger narrative at play as well. Christ is born. Jesus teaches people. He heals people. He performs miracles. And then he's killed. And then he comes back. He's resurrected. Then he ascends into heaven. This is a part of the story we don't talk about quite as much in this tradition. He ascends into heaven and he promises to return to earth and to make all things new. 
a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth is the way the book of Revelation paints that picture. As we look through all of scripture, we see that Christ is present throughout all, t- all things and all times. Christ is there at the beginning of time. Christ will be there at the end of time. Alpha and omega, beginning and end. It's like cosmic bookends to our story. Christ was there. Christ will be there. And right now, Christ is here too. Early Christians believed that Christ's physical return to earth would be like immediate, any day now. I mean, they sold off everything that they had. They lived together in communal spaces. They focused on feeding people and sharing what they had because they thought, hey, Jesus is going to come back any minute now and we want to make sure that we are ready. We're ready when he comes back. And so here we are, 2,000 years later, Jesus has not yet appeared back on earth, but we're still anticipating he will come back. We still trust that he will. We still trust that in the end of time, Christ will make all things new, but it feels a little bit less immediate than what perhaps those first Christians suspected it would look like. The truth is, time is relative. And so, although Jesus promises that it will only be a little while, perhaps 2,000 years is just a little while to God. When I think of a little while, or I think of soon, I think, I don't know, 15 minutes, 30, maybe 45 minutes, probably less than an hour, maybe an hour is pushing it. We all have those family members who say, hey, I'm going to be there soon and they have already left their driveway and they are going to be there in less than five minutes. Soon is quick. And then we also, most of us have those family members who say, I'm going to be there soon, and they're pulling out of their driveway and they're already half an hour late and have a half hour drive ahead of them, and you go, okay, soon does not mean quite the same thing to these two family members. Can you relate to that? Soon is a relative term. Shortly, briefly, in a little while, These are all sort of nebulous terms that we use to refer to time, which is something that's a little bit difficult to wrap our heads around, if we're being honest. Right now, my one-year-old daughter does not really understand the concept of time. Kids don't at that age. If we say, soon it's going to be time for a bottle of milk, she hears bottle, she hears milk, And she assumes it's happening now, (laughs) not in the future, because her world as a baby is focused on right now, what can I see, what can I touch, what can I do? Now, as soon as she hears the word milk, she starts marching around, and she knows some baby sign language, so she'll sign milk, and she's marching, and if we take a little bit too long, she starts to get fussy, because she's like, what's the deal, people? You said bottle, you said milk, what's happening? Why isn't it happening now? If we say, oh, soon, if we say, just a minute, she doesn't find it very comforting. I suppose when you're a one-year-old, just a minute is a much larger proportion of your life than it is to someone who's a little bit older. Most of us think we understand time in some form or fashion, but we're also all trapped in the present, too, to a certain extent, this now mentality. Have you ever been in a museum and seen some of those drops of amber formed from tree sap thousands of years ago, and there's 
this perfectly preserved insect in the amber? Do you know what I'm talking about? The author, Kurt Vonnegut, described human beings as being caught in the amber of the moment. It's like we get trapped now in our present thinking. Now, he meant it cynically, but there is some truth there. We can reflect backwards. We can imagine forwards. But ultimately, all we have in our control is today, this moment now. Tomorrow is not promised. You've heard that said before. We can't time travel and change what's already been. We can't fast forward and skip the waiting for things that are yet to come. We have now. We can control now. And we can make plans that set us up for a better future. We can do things that will help us to deal with what has happened in the past. We're also part of something cosmic and everlasting because we belong to a God that exists outside of time, a God who created time, the one who was there in the beginning, who will be there in the end. And yet, we also are challenged to treat each moment as precious because each moment we have is an unexpected gift. As I think about time and moments that we have, it seems like the stories that we tell link our present lives to the past and the future. It's the stories that we tell when you get down to it, the way that we talk about the past, the way we dream about the future, the stories that we tell about ourselves, the stories that we tell about our world, the stories that we tell about the people that we have loved and lost, the stories that we tell about those who we hope will join us in the future. These narratives help us understand better who we are in the here and the now. Like this narrative from Jesus, this account of him talking with his disciples so many years ago that still is shaping how we live today. The word Jesus uses in this passage as he's speaking with his disciples is micron. That's the Greek, M-I-K-R-O-N, which means brief, small, little. It's where we get the English word micro. It's a brief time. But what does a brief time even really mean as we're talking about the cosmic, as we're talking about living in the moment? Jesus was in the grave for three days. Three days does not feel like a brief time to me if you're somebody grieving, especially knowing that the days after experiencing a loss of a loved one are often days when time feels strange and a little bit warped and a little bit surreal. For some people, after a loss, the days seem like a blur. They just fly by because you're busy. You can't quite sit and think, maybe out of necessity. For other people, the days and the nights seem to drag on after the loss of a loved one. And still at other times, there are moments where time seems to shift in our memory. Things that we know only lasted a minute or two, yet they seem to have spanned a much longer time as we talk about those moments after the fact. A moment in our memory can suddenly become ours as we remember back. Years, on the other hand, can feel like just yesterday. Many of you know that my husband Joel and I adopted our daughter Maxine, 
and at the adoption orientation way back when, when we started the process, we were told that most families receive an adoption match within 18 to 24 months. And we thought, okay, for those first six months of waiting, we were so excited. We went out and we purchased stuff and we made plans and we decorated our nursery and we thought, you know, they've told us what the average is and we know that and we get averages, but uh, you could have it any day now. You don't really know. And, and you don't, that's the truth, you don't really know. Maybe this will happen quickly, we thought. Maybe this will happen tomorrow, we thought. But by the time a year was up of waiting, we still felt okay, but soon seemed a little bit different in our minds. Now, of course, you look at averages. If the averages tell you most families wait for 18 to 24 months, uh, you're probably going to wait 18 to 24 months. That's just the way averages work. And yet still, we, and I'm sure every other family who was waiting, thought we're going to be the exception to the rule. It'll happen more quickly for us. I don't know why we thought that, but that's human nature to think that we can defy the odds. And those last few months that we were waiting felt really long. Time passed the same hour after hour as it did those first six months of waiting, but time felt different because we felt differently about it. In a little while, you won't see me, Jesus says. In another little while, you'll see me again. Maybe Jesus is trying yet again to remind his friends that time is growing short. Maybe he's trying to remind them that the time alone will feel long, but it won't actually be as long as it feels. It's hard to say what exactly Jesus is trying to say to his disciples, but maybe all of these things at once. He's talking around the matter anyway, rather than coming directly out and saying it. Scripture tells us in Psalm 90 that a thousand years with God are like a day that has gone past. We all know the feeling of looking back at the summer and saying, oh my gosh, it's already August. Where did July go? Where did June go? How has it been uh, so long, and yet such a short time, all at the same time. Perhaps Jesus' message overall is really a reminder to us that time is precious. He's with those disciples one last time. He's sharing one last lesson. This is a holy moment for him. And maybe today can be a holy moment for us as well. So, if there are words, like Jesus offered words, of instruction, of affection, of appreciation that have remained unsaid, maybe today's the day to say those things. If there have been stories that you haven't shared that would help people to face the future unafraid, maybe today is the day to share those stories. If there are things that have been left undone, if there are attainable dreams that are still on the table, maybe today is the day, if not to get out and do those things, to at least mark your calendar, make a plan. Maybe it's pending pandemic, but hey, you can still get something on paper. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. A little while might be closer or farther than we think. We're connected to an eternal God, and yet this moment here and now is so precious. May we be people who remember the past, 
who look forward to the future with hope and who value the present moment for the amazing gift that it is. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.